Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. God, we thank you. We glorify you, Father. Thank you for being here and meeting us and um, being here and filling this place with your presence, Father. We thank you, Lord God. We honor you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We thank you. We magnify your name today, Father. We pray that you continue to be glorified in um, this sermon, Father, and you speak through my mouth and think through my mind, and that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, oh God. I thank you that you your people, your children, Father, will be blessed um, on today, oh God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, PD asked me to preach. I was actually supposed to do this last week, but um, I, don't, I don't sweat. <laughs> no, thank you, Mark. Um, but yeah, PD asked me to do this last week, and things got a little crazy. So, I'm here with you guys today. All right. So I hope you guys hope you guys are blessed by what the Lord has given me to bring to you guys. I kind of started. Uh, so when PD asked me to do this, I started. I was in the midst of studying Jonah a little bit, and I was reading a book, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I think the church will be blessed by by Jonah, at least you know the first chapter a little bit. I think we can get gather some things out of this. All right? Amen. So. I, I went back and forth with this title a bunch of times. I actually changed it like while doing worship. I changed it a couple of times. But all right, so we're going to title this In the Same Boat and, and subtitle Our Faith for the Good of Others. So everybody say In the Same Boat. In the same boat. All right. So does anybody follow the news? I know like our young generation we not we don't watch the news as much. You know, I get notifications on my phone. I, I'm big on Twitter. Going Twitter moments, I find out what's going on. Um, and I listen to this podcast by the New York Times called The Daily. Um, it gives like 20 minutes a day. It gives you like updates on some major stuff that's going on in the world. That as you as citizens of this world and this country, some stuff we should know, right? We should be informed, keep up with things that are going on in this world. So I. I I took a, snap, I took a snippet of some stuff that, that are going on. So that right now we have thousands of people at the U.S.-Mexican border. So it's a big political thing. And then we have a whole bunch of stuff. And we have the, the, the fires in uh, California last week and the whole big climate change. The White House is coming out with different this, their things on climate change. It's, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the world. Amen? So I know growing up, like watching the news was like a major thing, right? So nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, we had one TV in the house. We weren't allowed to watch anything else but the news, right? So um, whether I'm watching basketball, wrestling, whatever, wrestling, TV turns off, we watch UPN at the time. UPN or ABC, um, we watch the news. And I know like a lot of older generations watching the news every night is a big thing, right? It's a big part of the day, it's a time to relax and see what's going on in the world. And even I go to my parents' house today and, you know, they still watch the news, right? They still keep up with the news. 
So if we if you're keeping up with the news, you know there's conflicts all over the world. There are disagreements. There's a political climate. The world in a, in a, essentially is in a mess, right? It's in chaos. It's been in chaos for since the beginning of time, right? And it's, it keeps getting worse, and you know things are getting crazier. So I I I, I brought this all up to say. So in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst, as we're seeing the, the news, the headlines, we're seeing these things, what, are the, what is the believer's place as these things are unfolding, right? So in the midst of this chaos, what are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And I think Jonah, um, in this first chapter, gives us a good idea, mainly of what we're not supposed to do, but also on the contrast of that, we can see what we should be doing as believers. Man. So, like, as believers, we're, we should understand that we're not just called to be bystanders, right? Um, we're not just called to be bystanders, but while the world is crashing, while the, you know, the, the things are going crazy, we're not just called to be onlookers and watching things happen and worrying about our own lives. Amen? So let's go to Jonah chapter 1. If you dare say, I'm there. All right. So we start in Jonah chapter 1, we're 1 through 16. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest of this, on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you, will give a thought to us and that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account these evils have come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account these evil um, I'm reading this, I read this again, right? <laughs> Come upon us, what is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that, they were, that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more um, tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great temp tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord. Have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And as we know, verse 17, 
A great fish swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Amen. So here we see that God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Um, so Nineveh at the time was the capital of Assyria, which was notoriously um, violent, especially towards, towards Jews and, and the Hebrew people. So um, it was in conflict for Jonah to go to Nineveh. And, and, and if we look in verse, um, in chapter 4, that Jonah, the reason Jonah didn't, didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want them to be saved, right? He knew that God will be merciful on the people of Nineveh um, and, and, and save them if they repented. So Jonah, his main reason that he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want these people to be saved, right? He didn't want these people to, to know the true God. So in this, so Jonah finds himself running from God, running from the will of God, and he finds himself on this ship, right? He finds himself on a ship, and then in the ship, here comes a storm that's turning the ship around. It wasn't a regular storm, right? So the, the mariners, the, these are experienced sailors. They're experienced people that are experienced on the waters. So they're there, but they're frightened, right? So they're throwing stuff off the boat, and they're going crazy because this is a storm that they never, that have never seen before. It's a different kind of storm. So in life, there are, two, there are two types of storms, right? There are one storm that is a result of sin, and there's a storm that's a result of being in this fallen, sinful world. So Jonah, running from his calling, running from God, he ends up in this, on this boat in a storm, and this storm is mainly because of his sin and his disobedience to God, right? So every act of disobedience, every act of sin, has a storm attached to it. Right. So every time we disobey God and we are running from the will of God, expect that a storm or some kind of difficulty will come your way. Right. Some more serious than others. Um, this is not suggesting that God is not punishing. God is not punishing us for being sinful because, you know, God is not punishing us for being for our our disobedience on our sin because we know that in Christ. Right there, where sin is, grace more abounds, right? So the, there's grace and there's mercy on our behalf because of Christ, and as we see in Romans 5. But, not, but every, every disobedience brings along difficulties, right? So, and for example, if we neglect our body, right? If we, don't, we neglect our body, we eat poorly, and we don't obey um, the way God has ordained, or ordered us to eat, we're going to end up with poor health, right? If we treat people poorly. They, we're going to be treated poorly. We're not going to have friends. Life, things will be a little more difficult for us. Um, if we mismanage our money, if we don't give, give our tithes, if we don't give to people, if we uh, are not, if we don't save, if we don't store for harvest, I mean store for, store for, store in harvest time, um, we're going, when famine hits, right, we're going to hit with difficulties, right? And if we overspend, if we buy things, we charge the credit card on things that we don't need, things that are temporary, right? When money gets tight, we're gonna, things are going to be a little more difficult for us than if we had obeyed God initially, right? So the, God's law and God's orders and God's will is, are there to essentially help us. So once we disobey him, we're going to put ourselves in, in problematic places that, we, that God was trying to prevent us from, right? So here, you know, so... You break the law, you're going to end up in jail, right? Liars, they're going to be lied to, 
attackers, you, if you attack somebody, you're going to be attacked. And if you, are, if you cheat on somebody, you're probably going to get cheated on. You know, it's, if you sow, it's sowing and reaping, right? So that's how it works with our disobedience to God. It's just bringing more difficulties our way. So here Jonah's storm comes drastic. It comes sudden. It comes very drastic. It's, it's a big storm. But not all storms comes in this matter, right? Some things in our disobedience, it can build up over time, right? As we disobey God once, we disobey God twice, over time, over 10, you know, 5, 10 years, we can find ourselves in a, in a place that we could have avoided, right? We could have found, you know, if we're eating poorly every day, we eat at McDonald's. I remember there was a movie, um, what was it? Supersize Me, right? Every day he was eating McDonald's. And if eventually over time, so the first time he's feeling good, he's feeling great. Second day, he's feeling good. And over time, that eating that way is building up and is making his life more difficulty, right? Difficult. His high blood pressure is going up. His uh, weight is gaining. All these things are being affected because he's not, because he's eating poorly. But eventually we know that our sin will find us out, right? So as we it might not come right away as we disobey God. We, we make a mistake. We, we sin. It might not come right away, but eventually as we persist in that sin, it's going to eventually catch up to us. Amen? Um, but then also, here, so that's an example of the storm coming as a result of sin. But also some storms come a result, as a result of just being in a fallen world. All right? So, like, for example, the sailors, these mariners that are on this boat, Right? They're just chilling. They're just having, you know, they're doing their daily job. They're doing whatever, what they do on a normal basis. But here comes this major storm out of nowhere, not because they were necessarily in disobedience, because here's Jonah just stepping on the boat, and they're like, wait, where's the storm coming from? Right? So we ever been there? We're just living life, having, you know, trying to, uh, you know, live as righteously as we can, do things the way that God has given us. And then, you know, here comes this random storm out of nowhere, right? We get an unexpected bill. We get, you know, sickness, death in the family. We experience some loss. It's like, where does, where does this come from? Um, and we consider even Job, right? Job is living righteously. He's pursuing God. And here comes this massive storm and trials in his life where he starts to lose everything, right? So you ever been, you feel like you're in a great place, right? And then life just gets crazy. Life just gets crazy for you. But this is a result of just living in the fallen world. As long as we're living in this world, we're going to experience storms. We're going to experience times where things get tight, where things, we're going to experience some loss. We're going to experience some, times, some, some, some difficult times. This is not the way that God has created the world, but we know that from Genesis that God, when he, God created this world, he created everything to be good. But as a result of sin, as a result of us disobeying God, it's sin entered into the world, so now life, um, and Peter talks about this, like the, the God of this world. It talks about the enemy, the devil. Now, as a result of sin, the, the devil comes into this world and he's starting to control stuff. And evil and sin enters this world. So as long as we're here, we're going to experience difficult times. Amen? Just as these sailors. But there is, but there is good news for the believer. And as we see in Romans 8.28, that God promises to work to walk us through the storm and also to use and also to work everything to the good of those that trust in Christ. Amen? Amen. So these storms are able to 
help us grow. They're able to help us to get to where God has what God has for us, right? God has given us the grace to walk through them. He promises to be there, that he will never leave us nor forsake us as long as we're, we're able to repent and look to him for help and look to him for grace and look to him for mercy to walk us through these storms. That even like we see in verse 14 that, um, I'll read it, and it says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not us on, on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it is pleased. And in verse 16, it says that the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So we see here, even here, these sailors came to genuine faith in the true God as a result of this storm, right? So there's been times in life where people come to faith in Christ and in, in, in faith in the true God at the most difficult times in their lives, right? At funerals, we've seen it. You go to funerals, people come to faith in God. We see at, at the sickbed, people come to faith in God. So as long as we're willing to, to yield to the Spirit and yield to God and to be used by Him, even in these difficult storms, God, God's will can be done. And people can come to know God in these times. All right? So as we're seeing this world unfold, watching, watching chaos go, watching these storms, watching, um, and there's going to be more stuff to come, just know that God can use these times as ministry tools for us, right? And, and, and God's, God's will is still able to come through and be fulfilled in these times. Amen? So God's mercy is still at work. It's drawing us closer. So here, Jonah is running from God, but God is using this, the same storm to draw Jonah back to himself. So even in times that we may feel these storms are crazy in our lives, God is, can use those times to even draw him back to him, draw you back to himself. And these times can be, say, these times can, as long as we're willing to submit to him, right, these times can be a great times to come back to God and come back to true faith in Christ. Amen? So I'm going to work a little backwards from here. Um, so what is the role of us as believers during these times? So let's read from verse 7. Uh, 7 to 10, it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? So here, they're asking Jonah. So they cast lots, they found out the lots. It was a common thing to do, and it fell on Jonah, say, Jonah, do you have anything to do with this? Um, so they're suspecting that now Jonah has something to do with this storm. So they start asking him some questions, right? They ask him, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? What's your mama name? All that stuff, right? Pretty much asking him, what is, what are your identity? what's your identity? All right, so who are your people? It probes the social aspect. It, it suggests who his God is, you know, what religion he is. Um, so we all have, we all have identity, right? We all put our identity in certain things, um, in our work, in our rest, in our marriage, in our parenting, and in what we create and where we travel to. We all are trying to provide some identity. So identity gives us um, a sense of significance, 
It gives us some security. It tells us who we are so we can tell, so we can show the world and show others who we are. So these questions show a good understanding of how we constitute our identity, right? So to ask somebody a, their purpose, their place, and their people is pretty much asking, who are you? So Jonah responds, and Jonah says to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Right? So here Jonah answers this simple question of who are you very interestingly. He first answers, I am a Hebrew, and then he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. So he, he, he pretty much shows his race before he talks about his religion and his belief system. He says, at first mention, he says, I'm a Hebrew. So this kind of gives you an understanding of why, of Jonah's, of the main reason why Jonah's running from Nineveh, right? Because he's identifying as a Hebrew before he's identifying as his faith in Christ. So his faith, his, his race, and his, his, his identity in his race is foremost important to him than his faith in God, and his faith in the true God. So he, he, he identifies himself first ethnically, then religiously, so we infer that his ethnicity is his most important is his self-identity. While Jonah had faith in God, it appears to not have been as deep and as fundamental to his identity as his race and nationality. Right? So, if it, so this explains to you why Jonah is so opposed to going to Nineveh. So this is why, so here we see in, in our world, as we're, in, as we're in going through these storms, we can see that there's going to be times where your loyalty to your identities, whatever your self-made identities, and your loyalty to faith in God is going to be a conflict, right? There's going to be times where you're going to have to offend your race of people. You're going to have to offend your political parties. You're going to have to offend your identities, right? So in order to pursue the will of God. So when we, 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 we need to realize that the call of God on our lives is bigger than our careers, our financial stabilities. These are all things that we build identity on, right? So we build our identity in what is my stock portfolio? What is my, what does my bank account look like? What does my credit score look like? What is my thing, what is, you know, whatever. Or being the, being, my identity as being the cool guy, as being the person that doesn't get into any conflicts with anybody, right? So at some, at some point in your Christian journey, you're going to have to look at your identity as the cool guy, as the guy that gets along with everybody, as in conflict with your faith, right? So at that time, so when somebody comes up with, in your job and what, they want to talk about your faith, right? They want to talk about something that's contrary to your faith. You're gonna have some, at some point, you're going to have to pick, right? Do I go down this road of potential arguments or do I remain as this guy that everybody likes, right? Do I remain, you might lose a, you might lose a position, you might lose a job, you might lose you know, some advantage that in this world because your faith can be in opposition to this. So as long as these things take precedence, we will always find ourselves in conflict with God's calling. So here, Jonah is at conflict with God's calling. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh because it's more offensive for him, it's more offensive for him to see the Ninevites 
come to, to Christ, that, you know, then it is for, you know, then because, because they're in opposition to his race, then it's for him to disobey God, right? So at times it might seem easier for us to follow along with these self-made identities than to obey God. Um, so we call it shallow Christian identities, right? It explains why Christians, we can be racist, right? We can be greedy. We can be materialists. We can be addicted to beauty and pleasure. We can be addicted to work, to overwork, we can, and, and neglecting our family, neglect, neglecting our kids, neglect, neglecting church, because we're trying to build up these identities, but they're in conflict with our Christian journey. Um, we, will look, we will overlook people that God has called us to minister to, whether they're in opposite political parties, opposite races, opposite whatever. We can overlook them and think less of them because we hold our identities, our self-made identities, more important than our faith in God and obeying God. So we need to spend some time building our identity in Christ, building knowing who we are as believers and knowing who we are and called into this world to do, more than we are building identities, our worldly identities. Amen? Knowing identity in Christ will give us the power to speak to storms and point others to, to, true, to the true God. If we are building our identities in other things, we're going to neglect pointing others to God. And we're going to try to just maintain, you know, the status quo and maintain what our identities say we are. Amen? So next, so we jump, so let's move up a little bit. Uh, let's talk about who is your neighbor. Um, in verse 5 and 6, it says, um, Then the mariners were afraid. The mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So God rejected the call to preach to Nineveh, but yet he ends up on a boat with the same people that he's running from, right? So these are, these are same pagans that are in, you know, in not part of his people. They don't believe in God, in the true, in, in Yahweh. They believe in their own God. They have their own way of doing things. So here Jonah is on the same boat with those, with those same people that he's running from. And, then, and they end up in this terrifying, terrifying storm. But yet, verse 5 the people on the boat, they're working. They're trying, to, they're trying to figure out what's happening on this boat. How do we fix this? How do we get out of the storm? How do we make it to dry land? How do we get there? And meanwhile, Jonah is, is sleeping. He's, he's back. He's sleeping. He, I, I, and I believe Jonah is there because he's, he's exhausted. He's running from God. His mind is plaguing him. He's filled with guilt. He's filled with, he might be even depressed. He's anxiety. He's filled with grief. So I know a lot of times, that's very, at least for me, I've, I, you know, I've been there, <laughs> you know, where you have so much on your plate and you might be, might be even running from, running from God, and I just want to just sit down and relax and escape, right? So here Jonah is escaping. He's not participating because he's escaping. So he's, like us in modern day, we're, he's just going to sit down on the couch, going to watch Netflix, and while the world burns, right? 
he's gonna watch Netflix, he's gonna watch Narcos, if he's like me, <laughs> he's gonna watch Narcos, he's gonna go on Instagram, he's gonna go on Twitter, he's gonna escape from this world, and the desire to escape reality through sleep. I know there have been times, and I know there was a meme, meme a couple, I don't know, maybe a year ago that I saw, and it was something like, you ever, you ever have so much stuff on your plate, or you, the first thing you do is take a nap, or something like that. So yeah, I know times you just have so much on your mind, it's like, yo, I need to be doing this, I need to go to the gym, I need to do that, but first, I'm gonna take a nap, right? <laughs> and kind of not even think about that stuff right now. So that's what, exactly what Jonah is doing. And a lot of times, it's times that you're running from the Lord, right? So I don't, I know times that I should, I'm like, dad, I, stuff is going on in my mind, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, I should be praying, I should be my word, but I'm not trying to do that right now. I'm just going to relax, go to sleep, watch TV, and not even think about all the stuff that's going on. So while Jonah is out of touch with his, with his peril, the sailors, they're extremely alert. They, they know exactly what's going on, and they're trying to work through, the, through these problems. So Jonah is, is absorbed with his own problems. He's absorbed with his own guilt. He's absorbed with his own terror, his own fears of running from the Lord. But the rest of the people, they're seeking the common good of even Jonah, right? Because they're all, like, like the title says, they're all in the same boat. So if the sailors are working to get to dry land, that means Jonah, they're trying to work so Jonah can get to dry land too, and that Jonah can be safe. But Jonah's not even worried about that. So as these disasters are happening in our world and things are going out in our world, what does it say for us as believers? Are we asleep or are we actively and participating in steering the world towards the true God and steering the world towards safety, what we know is Jesus Christ? So that we don't want it to be said that everybody's working for the common good of humanity and of the earth, but that Christians are escaping and we're worried about our own problems. Right? We don't want it to be said that Christians are just worried about, um, worried about their day-to-day, -day, worrying about paying bills and worried about you know, things just that, that pertains just to themselves, planning vacations while the world is working in our place. Right? So they hear the, the, the sailors in verse 5, it talks about that they're crying out to their God. So we see that the world is crying out to their gods. They're crying out to their gods of science. They're trying to figure out scientifically, how do we fix this problem? They're talking about their, their money, how mo you know, financially, how do we fix these problems? You know, intellectual, intellectualism, how do we, what do we think about these things, right? So they're crying out to their gods, while Christians, we don't want it to be said for us that we aren't crying out to our God, to our true God, the one that, that can calm the seas, the, you know, the one that created the oceans, that created the, the world, that can truly fix these problems. And I know like, we, are, we can be desensitized to the news, right? We see all these things. And now in, in 2018, it seems like a mass shooting every month, right? So we see these mass shootings now, and it's kind of like, oh, dang, another one? You know, we don't want it to be, we don't, we, we, we don't want it to be, to be desensitized to these things. We know that God, in Genesis, it talks about that it breaks God's heart to see these things unfold. And, and so it should be breaking our heart as believers every time we see these crazy things happening in our world. And we should be calling out and crying out to our own God, to the true God, for the sake of this world. So even the, the, the sailors, they're, they're open to calling on, on Jonah's God, right? They're, they're even more ready to call on Jonah's God than Jonah is, right? So in verse 6, 
in verse 6 it says, Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought, give a thought to us that we may not press, may not perish. So they're even imploring God, imploring Jonah, hey, Jonah, wake up, call out to your God. Right? Do something about this. So first we know, so here it teaches one thing, that people outside of the community of faith, outside of Christianity, they have some rights, right, to evaluate us, evaluate the church on its commitments for the greater good, right? They don't have every right, but they have some rights to say, okay, but you guys aren't, aren't using your faith for the rest of the world and for the, for the common good and for the community, right? You're just worried about your four walls, right? So they have some rights to come to, to question that and to evaluate our use for the common good. They, but they also sense here that they cannot be saved without the help from Jonah, but he's doing nothing to help. So I, I feel like the same parallels to the world, right? That they know that us as believers, we have a tool, we have something that can help. And we have the resources and we have the God, essentially, that can help. So what is the captain rebuking Jonah for? It's because he had no interest in their common good. He had no interest in everybody else on the boat. He's saying, can't you see we're about to die? How, how are you oblivious to our needs, right? So I understand that you're a man of faith, but you're not using your faith for the common good, right? We're using our faith to fill our pockets, you know, to grow our lands and to grow our thing and whatever, whatever we're doing to build our businesses and to do this and to create these, these um, empires, but we're not using our faith for the good of others, right? We're putting our faith to use selfishly, right? So if a crime plagues the, plagues the community, if poor health, water shortage, whatever these things are, we all know the things that are plaguing our communities, plaguing our world, I believe that, that it's our right and our, our duty as Christians to be at the forefront of that. And not only in work, but also in praying and, and interceding and seeking the face of God for others. And even in our families, right, and in our church, we're all going through things. And we're all experiencing different things in life. We're experiencing loss. We're feeling, experiencing trials. And as believers, we are called to hold each one another up in interceding, in prayer, in support, in financial support, and not just worried about our own, our own thing. Amen? So, essentially, we're all in the same boat, right? We're all, if the boat, if the boat crashes, we're all going to crash, and we're all going to die. So we should be working towards a greater good and a common good here. So Jonah fled because he did not, he did not want to work for the, for the good of the pagans. The pagans, he wanted to serve exclusively the interests of believers, all right? And I think as Christians, we're not called just to serve the interests of believers. We're not just called to serve the interests of the church, but we're called to serve the interests of this world, interests of our jobs, interests of our neighbors. Amen? But God shows him here that he's the God of all people, and Jonah needs to see himself as being a part of the whole community, whole human community, and not just a member of the faith community. Right? And this just kind of foreshadows uh, in the New Testament, where, where the gospel goes out to not just the Jews, but the, the Gentiles too, right? And it kind of shows that 
God is not working just for the Jews. He's working for the Gentiles. He's not just working for black people, white people too, and Spanish people too, and all different kind of people that God is working on behalf of and God is calling to himself. Amen. The Bible tells us that we're co-humans with all people, made in God's image. Therefore, we are all in infinitely precious to him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. and verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your, shine, let your light shine before others, so that, you may see, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here we see that in Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount, he tells that the world will see the good deeds of believers and glorify God. Right? As we're working towards the common good, as we're are out there, out in the world and working, they will see our good deeds and glorify the true God, just as these sailors did, right? They saw, um, well, they, Jonah didn't do a good deed, but they saw God's hand in the storm and that God's almighty power and were able to come to knowledge of the true God. In James, it talks about, talks about if you see somebody without food and you see somebody without clothes and you do nothing for them, then your faith is dead, right? And even talking about faith, faith without works is dead. So if you are, if you're seeing people, you know, it's, I guess it's good timing of the holiday season, we see people without stuff and we do nothing or we're not even moved to do anything, then our faith is dead or unreal. Amen? So let's jump over to one last verse. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Uh, so here we're going to see a slight contrast in the way Jonah, his Jonah's behavior on the boat in contrast to Jesus' behavior on the boat uh, when he was in a storm. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 37, and it says, and a great, So here um, Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and it says, A great wind of storm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Um, so here we see that Jesus, similar to Jonah, he's sleeping, right? So we would think that Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, we're in a sleep. Why, we're in a storm. Why are you asleep? Jesus woke up and he says, And he woke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we see here that Jesus is asleep just like Jonah. But it's, I want to submit that it's a different kind of sleep, right? So here Jesus is asleep in, in faith, right? So he's asleep in the peace of God, knowing that, knowing, having confidence in the, in, in, his, in, in God that can calm the sea and knowing that he has the power to calm the sea, that he's asleep in faith, all right? So it's, and I think Jesus is more at rest here in, in his, you know, at peace here than Jonah was. While Jonah was escaping, J Jesus was, a was at rest and as it was at peace. So while we're in a storm, that we know that God can give us peace and God can give us rest. You know, while we're experiencing storms, while we're going, while, while life is going crazy, we can experience true rest in Christ. 
you know, but that is different from escaping, you know, that we can be, wake up refreshed and we can wake up and be able to work on the behalf of others, right? And we can wake up and call on the, on the God to calm the storms and wake up and call on, on, on God himself to move on this earth and move on this country and move in our families and in our churches, right? Um, that, and that's his divine true rest, more than it is I'm escaping. So the difference between rest and escaping is pretty much escaping. There's, when you escape, there's no, um, there's no uh, what do you call it? There's no um, regeneration. So there's no, there, you're not being um, revived, right? You're not being refreshed. You're not giving a new way of thought. You're not giving a new way to think, a new way to attack something or to um, be used by God. But when you're resting in God, he's, re, you know, he's refreshing you, right? He's re, re, renewing your mind. When we're resting in the word of God and the truth of God and in faith, we are learning from him and we're, we're given um, resources. And, and then the Holy Spirit is teaching us and grooming us and, and building us up. So there may be times that we, can, that we need to rest, right? When things are going crazy, we might need to rest. And, and rest, active rest, is seeking the face of God and, and, and actually giving our bodies and our minds and our spirits some time to think and to process and, to, um, and to, to learn from God and to be poured into from God and be poured into from others. And true rest will give us the ability to work and to give us the ability to work with all our might and give us some actions and some new ideas and some refreshing ways to think so that we can work for others and that we can draw and we can point others to Christ. So essentially, we are called to work on the behalf of others and, and not just our, for ourselves. Because we're all, like the title says, we're all in the same boat, right? We're all in this world. We're all, we're all God's creation that we, are, that we need to um, be working for each other and show others our good deeds and show others uh, how Christians are working for one another and for the world. Amen? Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you. Glorify you, Father. I give you the glory, Father. I pray that we got something out of this message today, Father, that you are teaching us how to operate in the storm, that you are teaching us um, your will and your leading in the storm and how we are to work. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.